Welcome back to the Friday edition of Let's Open the Bible. And for our friends in India, particularly our friends in Karnataka, which I'm certain I'm butchering, I say to you, Namaskara. Namaskara? Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry that we probably just absolutely destroyed that, but uh, <laughs> hello. <laughs> I can't believe we get that one right. Well, hello. I'm not sure we do. Namaskara? Yeah. Uh, so this has been an interesting uh, few episodes as we've walked through a few psalms. We've looked at Psalm 23. There's a trend here, Psalm 63, Psalm 73. We're going to break that trend, but we're going to stick with the odd numbers. Today we're going to look at Psalm 77. And so if you want to head that way, we uh, invite you to do so. Uh, today I'm going to ask our friend and fellow podcaster Gavin to open us with a word of prayer, and then I will read uh, the first 20 verses. Okay, so in light of what we're, the psalm we're getting into now and in light of the, uh, the the Mother's Day that we had at our church, so Mother's Day is usually just a uh, simply celebration, right, a day of celebration, but uh, we had uh, a, a man sing. It was beautiful, but all I could hear when he was singing was his mother's voice, and he was getting choked up because it was uh, his mother has since passed, and he was well-known for or she was well known to sing this song. And so it was a little weighty there. And then, you know, the things my mom was going through, uh, it was weighty in my heart. And then, um, we had some other things that were, that were coming up and it was, it was kind of having this weighty feel to it, which is not a bad thing, but, but we need to recognize on every Sunday, somebody's going through something. And, uh, That's right. and so we're going to pray just, you know, we need to cry out to God. Absolutely. So let's pray. Heavenly father, uh, you know the season that we are in, uh, Russ and I, and I, they're not the same, but but you know the difference and you know what season we're in. In fact, I believe that you have led us into this place where we can cry out to you very differently, but we can cry out to you. In fact, God, it is good to be in a place where we have to cry out to you. And we remember the works in, in Scripture, the Old Testament and the New Testament together. We, we know who you are and we know what you have done. We cry out to a God that loves us, and we cry out with great confidence that you hear the words of our prayers, and God, that you answer them in accordance with your will in a way that is always and every time for our good and for your glory. Heavenly Father, so we come maybe with an anguish in our hearts, like Paul said, he had unceasing anguish in his heart at times for his, his countrymen, and we can come before your throne with that anguish. But we also come with boldness, knowing that in Christ it is finished, in Christ victory has been won, and in Christ you give us everything that we need, and oftentimes the things that we want because you love us, because you are good, because you are God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Psalm 77, of course, is a psalm of lament. Um, oftentimes the psalm of lament serve kind of as well-worn pathways that uh, real people dealing with real uh, hard circumstances have wrestled with their hard circumstances. They've gone before us, and they, they provide us with a, a path, an example, a model, um, as we can kind of look on their uh, experience through the psalm and uh, find comfort in the Lord. Uh, sometimes it's good to just to be reminded that you're, you're not alone, that that you're not the only one that has ever suffered a hardship. And uh, so the, the Psalms of Lament kind of help us here a little bit. 
And so let's dig in. So Psalm 77, I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice. And he gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. You hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart and my spirit makes delight or diligence makes diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? And I said, this is my anguish, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. Your way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the peoples. You have with your arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. The water saw you, O God. The water saw you. They were afraid. The depths also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The sky sent out a sound. Your arrows also flashed about. The voice of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea, your path in the great waters, and your footsteps were not known. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. That's good. Yeah, it's a... Uh, it's a powerful psalm. This is a psalm that, that I often kind of encourage people when I'm doing counseling and encourage them to spend some time sitting with, uh, kind of working through, uh, because I think it's, it's, a, it's a common thing. Of course, we know trials and hardships are common, uh, and there is, there is no temptation that is, uh, except that which is common to man. And, uh, you know, just this crying out to God um, and then wondering, you know, has he forgotten me? And and I think that is that is a common feeling that I think uh, that many people wrestle with. Uh, I think one of the beautiful things that we can learn from this is the importance of though though maybe God feels distant to us, maybe God seems silent in our cries. Um, we can find comfort in what he's done in the past that provides us with the assurance of his promises for our future. And, uh, and here the psalmist kind of works through that emotionally, it seems like. Um, and he, he begins to reflect on the things that he knows to be true. And that's one of the areas yeah. that I try yeah. to encourage people. You know, so often people come in and they're discouraged. Um, They've bought into lies about themselves. They've told themselves they're no good. They're 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 uh, worthless. They have no value. They're really down. And and or other. They've heard the voices of others. You know, maybe putting them down and all these things. And I said, okay, you know, everybody's entitled to an opinion. 
But let's look at God's opinion, which is true and unchanging. Let's see what he has to say about you. I think it's important to, to look there. Well, and here's the thing. Psalm, or sorry, Psalm. Uh, Romans 3, they have become altogether worthless. Our worth is not in, in our works. Our worth, you know, God did not choose Israel because they were a great nation. Right. In fact, he bypassed much more powerful, prosperous nations. God, in, in 1 Corinthians, he, he he explicitly through Paul tells us he didn't pick us because we were smart. He didn't pick us because we were noble. Not many among you are wise. Not many among you are noble. God destroys the wisdom of the wise and brings to nothing the understanding of the prudent, right? Yep. So so I, I, your worth doesn't come. Your worth comes from you are loved by the maker of the ends of the earth. You are in a, in a, his love is unsearchable, unfathomable. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I mean, I mean, that's where your heart rests, can rest in the love of God. He He loves you and sent His Son to die for you. So, who, who Paul in, in uh, Galatians two, who loved me and gave Himself for me, that's a, that's a, you know, that when you wonder if God's withholding something from you, like Adam and Eve did in the garden. Oh, that one thing He withheld from us is the one thing we need. Yeah. When you ever He gave you His Son and with Him freely gives you all things. He's not withholding anything from you. The Lord withholds no good thing from those who walk uprightly. He lavishes his good gifts on you, but you got to come back to who God is and what he's capable of. He He's certainly omnipotent, but he's also omnibenevolent. He, he is all-powerful. He can do it, and he's all-loving. He wants to do it, what is for your good. So let, let, maybe we just start in, in verse 1. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, right? I, I, I think sometimes, so, so prayer is silent, but... I'll walk in and my kids will be praying quietly when they, they kind of want to skip prayer for a meal that we're not all eating together. If, you know, if we're, if we're, if we're doing something and we can't, can't all sit together, sometimes they'll sit down and they'll pray quietly. And I'm like, eh, guys, if there's more than one person there, let's pr- pray aloud. And I think like Hannah, sometimes we pray aloud, even when we can't form the words, we're blah, blah, muttering something and sounding drunk. We're just, you know, deep cries out to deep and we're, we're broken and crying out to God. I think that aloud is not necessary. But it's helpful at times, and, right. and maybe even at times necessary. But but not it's not a universal. But and he will hear me. So uh, for, we know this well. First John five fourteen, and this is the confidence that we have towards God, Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And we know that if He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. So then you have in Psalm 143, a Psalm of David, he, he, he says, hear my prayer, Lord, give ear to my pleas for mercy. He's actually asking that God would hear his prayers. I think what he's saying is like, let these prayers be pleasing to you because if they're pleasing to you, we get it. If it's the will of God and God's will is always for our good and his glory, always, if it's for our good and for his glory, he hears us and we will have the prayers of our hearts. I honestly think when he says, hear my prayer, he's asking that his prayer would be pleasing to God, Right? So then, then you ask, are there any things that hinder your prayer life? Well, sure. If you regard iniquity in your heart. Absolutely. If you treasured it, regarding it, holding on to it in your heart, what's that? Psalm 66. So, yeah, he, he, he doesn't hear those prayers in, in the sense that, of course, God hears everything, but not in a way that he will react to it in the positive. Um, how about dishonoring your wife? You know, 1 Peter 3 reminds us we, we are to honor our wives and love them well. If there's discord in the family, if there's if there's problems between a husband and a wife, you know it hinders your prayer life. Absolutely. It also gives the enemy a foothold. 
Okay, if you're praying outside of the will of God or, or not according to the word of God, Proverbs 28, 9, um, if one turns o- away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. And we know s- several other places in scripture that, that talk about these things. So just first of all, if you're crying out, um, y- you know, like uh, Francis Chan one time was asked, you know, why why does it just seem like God hears your prayers? Well, and, and that, that I maybe opened something I'm not going to get into too much, you know, and again, Francis Chan has, has decided to, uh, I'm going to leave all of that alone. I'm just going to go with the illustration. So kind of leave out the name. Um, but he said, uh, he said, you know, I, I, I feel like whenever I pray, God hears me. And if I don't, if I don't have an answer soon and I, I check myself first and there are times God says, no, sure. God loves you enough sometimes to say no, but check yourself first. Like, you know, that, that, that whole Psalm 139, God search me and know my heart, try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me, God, and, and lead me in the ways everlasting. So just that wrestling with yourself. So, so you get this, you get this Asaph prayer where he just says, man, I, I'm broken and I cry aloud to God and he will hear me. Any, any other verse you want to emphasize? We made it to one verse and we're, well, I just, you know, I, I like that he does turn to God here. Uh, he's obviously anguished. He says, my hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. He was anguishing, but his soul, it says, refused to be comforted. And and in my Western ears, what I hear is a choice uh, being made here, uh, that he just, he was not being comforted. And it almost sounds like, um, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't getting the answer. He was looking for, he didn't feel like he was being heard. He, he was not being comforted. And, uh, I, I, I so, so experientially, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm trusting we have reasonably good English translations here, but experientially there is a time when you're like, I know God is good. I know this is all for my good. I know that, that he loves me and, 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 and you're just still not comforted. Your soul just refuses it. And you're, and you're trying to speak truth into your own heart and it's just not accepting it. Have you ever seen those people where they're like, anything you tell me right now, I know. I mean, I know in my mind, but I just my my soul is not receiving it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's examples of folks that maybe they just wasn't ready. So whenever I'm doing counseling and I get to the section about forgiveness, which is a really weighty topic, uh, a lot of people aren't ready for that. They're they're not emotionally ready to let go of their anger or whatever it is to forgive somebody of some whatever horrend, horrendous thing. And and so a lot of people really, I mean, honestly, that's probably the number one problem that we end up focusing on is the, the person's inability to forgive. Right, but also those things where where you're going, you are loved, and they're like, you know, I, I struggle with that. No, the Bible assures you that in Christ you are loved and they go, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. Or I mean, no, you are loved. God loves you. And right. and, and sometimes they're just, they, they know it, but their soul refuses it. Or again, this is for your good. You can tell me that all you want. You can tell me that I'm in this season with by a, uh, an all-loving, all-powerful God that has me here for for my good and his glory, and and it's and I'll thank him for it one day. Yeah, but I, I, I know it, but I just cannot receive it. You could be like uh, William Cooper, who who was just a, a an absolute wreck emotionally and was wrote some of the beautiful most beautiful hymns with John Newton in the the only collection. I, th- I think that's um, I'm trying to remember the, the name of it, but uh but he wrote these beautiful and powerful hymns and he believed that everybody else 
you know, their, their salvation was secured in Christ and they couldn't lose it. And they, he just couldn't believe it for himself. His soul refused to accept it. And it, and it wreaked havoc in his life, his emotional and, uh, well-being. It was just, his mental health was destroyed. I know that's a more modern word, but his mental health was destroyed because he couldn't receive in his inner man, the things, the truths of God. Yeah. I just looked up the, the word for, uh, Soul here is it is nephish, okay, and uh, refused is also in the range of meaning of rejected, and so it, you know it's they just can't let go, and now and and just not willing to be comforted, and that's I think why we get verse five. Uh, he was troubled, even when I remember God, I, I was troubled. I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed, and I you know and I can just I I mean I can give a witness here, you know there have been times where. Um, you know, I've allowed uh, anger or uh, just a bitterness or some other negative feelings to kind of linger, and and as you dwell on those things, uh, it it the when, the more you dwell on the problem, the bigger the problem gets, and and the more you dwell on that, uh, the more of it there is. That the angrier you get, the more bitter you get, and all of those things, and that's kind of what I hear. Um, Asaph is is struggling with that he's he's refusing. He, you know, he can't let go. He's refusing to be comforted. He's troubled um, when he thinks of God, and he's complaining. He he's got a complaining spirit going on. Yeah. But do you think this is so? So I, I hear you say it. I just I, you'd have to walk me through where it's it's. Do you is this a willful like? Yeah, I hear it, but I'm not. I'm not going to forgive. I w- refuse to forgive. Like this willful, adamant, or like if someone would say, you're loved by God, and he goes, yep, my soul, I, he goes, nope, I am not. I refuse to accept that I'm loved by God. Or could this be a more passive, because there is a difference. Like I'm not forgiving and I'm not accepting that. That's an active, like intentional, thoughtful, I refuse to be comforted. Mm-hmm. As opposed to my soul, like I, I I, understand what you're saying, Russ. I believe God loves me, but I, I just can't accept it. I, I'm trying to. I want to. My soul needs to. I, I know somebody that struggles with his salvation. I, I want to believe I'm saved. Yeah. I need to believe I'm saved. I trust the Bible says I'm saved. I just, my soul refuses it. So, so, and I don't mean like him saying, I refuse to admit I'm saved. I'm saying like, I, I, it's, there's no comfort in that for me because I can pretend I am. I know I should be. I know that I qualify. I mean, I've placed my trust in Christ, but then you also have the issue of idolatry when the Bible says something and you say, yeah, my soul can't, that's, that's an idolatrous heart. And well, how do you deal with that? See, in verse four, what it, you know, kind of the way I'm interpreting this is, is it's almost like God is showing him the, the issue, but he's so troubled, he's so conflicted, he, he can't even speak. And, and so to me, this is maybe it's passive, maybe it's active, one way or the other. He's not letting go. He's complaining, he's broken, he's bitter, whatever it is, and he's not getting the answers he's looking for. Well, it's a total different way of understanding it, and I like how you can apply it to both. That's fine, but it's a total different way of understanding it because when it says, guys, God is holding open my eyelids, he's saying, listen, you're refusing me, but I'm going to show you who I am. Yeah. You you cannot be comforted by by the fact that I love you. You watch. I will demonstrate my love for you. And that again, that is the overwhelming love of God, the never ending, you know, over uh, overwhelming love of God. He just breaks through every obstacle we have to refusing the truths of Scripture, 
And so, yeah, so, so there is a huge difference as to how you approach this is, okay, I'm going to pray that you receive these things that your, your soul is resisting. And you go, please, I want to, I want to know God. I want to, I look at you and see the joy that you have with God. And I want that, but, but I can't. And you, and we want to say, yes, you can. Yes, you can. But here's the, you can't manufacture it. Here's the illustration I always use. If you would look at me and say, I want you to love tomatoes. Yeah. I, I can't make myself love tomatoes. So so, so if you say, I want you to, to trust that God loves you, and you go, okay, I'm going to make myself trust that God. No, you can fake it. You can go to church. You can lift up your hands. You can do all sorts of things, but you can't make yourself believe those things. I can't make myself like a, a, a tomato. Now, God may work in me, and suddenly I love a tomato. I have, new, I have old taste buds. Those taste buds of stone were ripped out, and I have taste buds of flesh that were put in there, and suddenly I have an appetite for the things of God. I mean, the, the tomato you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what we're hoping for. That's what we're praying for. That's what we're crying out to God. God, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things from your law. Show me your goodness. Yeah. As opposed to, I refuse, and God, and so I'm stubborn and adamant, and I refuse to accept the things of God, but he's going to make me look at him, and every time he shows me himself, I groan. Ah, oh, here he is again. I mean, those are two totally different ways of, of understanding the text. Yeah. So... Go well, ahead. and but there's an important transition here in verse five. So okay. you know, up Keep through going. verse four, he's he's crying out for help, but he doesn't feel like he's getting the help he needs. But then there's a transition here in verse five. He begins to remember uh, God from the days in the past, and and oftentimes I think uh, we need to realize that God uses the past to remind us of His faithfulness quite a bit. Actually, I mean, all throughout Scripture, God is saying, "Remember me." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we we see. I like you use the expression the recapitulation of the gospel uh, through the uh, retelling of the Exodus event, which points to the gospel, uh, and and the reason why that is restated so often. Uh, they set up memorial stones yeah. when they cross yeah. the the Jordan River. I mean, they do these things to point the future generations back to what God has done, but also to remember what God has done. For themselves that have experienced it. And Jesus said, as often as you drink this cup, as often as you eat this uh, this bread, this my body, do this in remembrance of me. Yeah, so so the communion is a good thing, a good example of what you were saying. You, you, you remember Jesus' death, right? So that's looking back. Jesus died for us. You're proclaiming it to somebody. Who are you proclaiming it to? The people around you and to yourself. Yeah. You're proclaiming the gospel to the people around you, the people that are watching, and yourself. So there is a there is a corporate and a personal element to the. So you're you're looking back, you're looking forward, you're looking up to God, and then you're looking uh, sorry back and present and up. Now you're looking forward until He comes again. You're you, the, the the do you do you do that a lot with your communion services that you you celebrate the past, but you're also yes. looking forward to the second advent, absolutely, His second coming. Sometimes that's lost. We only consider, you know, the the past and even sometimes the present, maybe even more often the present, but fail to look forward to the future because God is the alpha and the omega because he's the beginning and the end. We are to look back, but we are to trust that that he's not changing and the things that he has done are pointing towards what he will do. Yeah, I've actually got a a cheat sheet uh, in my Bible to remind me to do that. So I have 
five things. Okay. Uh, remembrance of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. This is the significance of the Lord's Supper. Communion with Christ and fellow believers, proclamation of faith, anticipation of Christ's return, expression of our thanksgiving. Really good. That's good. Uh, and and so um, one thing I want to point out here is, and it's actually stated there what we were just saying, verse 6, I call to remembrance my song in the night. He's remembering here, just as we said, the, the, the theme throughout Scripture is remembrance. But one of the things that I love is as he, he is continuing to wrestle here uh, in the psalm, um, still going kind of back and forth, when we get down to verses 16 through 20 in that kind of that last section, he's pointing to uh, the footprints of God, the visible ways in which uh, he can see God at work. And, uh, you know, the thunder, the lightning, the whirlwind, in all these ways, uh, your way was in the sea, your path in the great waters, your footsteps were not known. This is sort of that footprints in the sand uh, as, as kind of a, a way to recognize God's authority that God hasn't abandoned us. Uh, so he's looking for, um, though we can see these footprints, we don't see God. And uh, I think, you know, when we're struggling, it's important to remember the past, what God has done, and to also see God in, in, in the experiences of life, the thunder, the lightning, those, uh, the, the picture of God in creation. Um, the general revelation that we have in creation. And so he's comforted by that. And I think that's a helpful thing to be reminded of is, is to think about how we know God. Right. And, and, and I love that, but, but it's a, it's, it's kind of also acknowledging that these things are just the outskirts of his ways. So one of my favorite passages in Job is Job in Job 26 he says uh, in 12, by by his power, God's power, he stilled the sea. By his understanding, he shattered Rahab. By his wind, the heavens were made fair. His hand pierced the fleeing serpent. And so it, it's just talking about these great and glorious things of God um, and the, the kind of the title that the ESV authors put over this is Job replies, God's majesty is unsearchable. And here's the verse that I love the most. Behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways. How small a whisper do we hear of him? But the thunder of his power, who can understand? Like you're just getting the outskirts of God's ways as you consider the heavens and the earth, the waves, the mountains, whatever it is that you stand and just go, wow, what power, what majesty, how awesome. That's an outskirt of God's ways. Yeah, very good. Um, well, listener, thank you for uh, joining us for this today, uh, staying along for the ride. Psalm 77 is such a, an important I mean, they're all important, but uh, if you're struggling uh, or know someone who is, I, I really encourage you or them to spend some time in Psalm 77 and, and just pay attention to what's going on there. Uh, it, is a, it is a great pathway uh, for us that's been laid out before us. So uh, continue to wrestle with this. We look forward to catching back up with you on Monday. Of course, between now and, and then, we hope that you will find a, uh, your place in the sanctuary of a church where the Word of God is uh, thought of as inspired and completely true without error, that's proclaimed uh, without reservation, 
that is rightly divided, uh, that, that is a church that uh, sings praises, that gives you an opportunity to lift up your prayers, praising God through all of these things. Until we see you on Monday, I hope that you will do that. God bless you. We'll see you Monday.